1: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving
0: method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Thank you, Lord. We'll be, I want to welcome everybody in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all things in the name of Jesus and to the glory of God. Um, the reason I picked the title—I I, kind of had a little struggle with it—jogging uh, through James is because it sounds like we're just going to run through it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, when I was uh, a teenager, I used to run. I used to be thin. You know, uh, I, I'd be running, and one of the one of the areas I loved to run through was through a cemetery that wasn't far from us. It's large cemetery it had mature trees gorgeous but uh, I would run run along this hill called Blue Ridge and I would go down into the cemetery and I would run through that and then there was this one mausoleum you know the rich and the poor were buried there you know when you get to that stage everybody's on equal grounds you know that you know, you know when you get that far, we're all on level ground. So anyway, I get to this one mausoleum, and I'm running up behind the running up behind this mausoleum. There's trees all around me, and it's happened to me every time. Man, I'd feel like somebody was chasing me, so I'd look behind, <laughs> I'd look behind me, and boy, that would just get me to jog a little more. But you know, as time goes on, you know I'd be running, I'd be jogging and then I'd have to walk a little bit. Well now now I just walk. <laughs> so uh, don't let the don't let the title fool you jogging through James. We might be doing a little sprinting. we might be doing a little jogging and we might be doing a little walking, but I want to share with you about the book of James. The book of James, I've loved James for years and years and years. You know, I've, uh, I've been a preacher for a long time. And I always liked reading James, but I couldn't understand why some people didn't like the book of James. You know, they said, oh, it's just the law. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it's restrictive. Well, that's because we don't understand where he's coming from. And so anyway, let me just tell you a little bit about James. James is the actual brother of Jesus. You know how many, you know, the, the 12 disciples, there was Peter, James and John. Well, that James, that particular James, happened to be killed by Herod. Herod killed him. and uh, he tried to get Peter, arrested Peter, but God delivered him out of jail because the church started praying. How many of you know things happen when the church prays? When the church doesn't pray, things happen, but it's things you don't want to happen. Just a thought. But James didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus was on the earth. As a matter of fact, I believe it was John chapter 7 where there was a feast where everybody goes up to Jerusalem and his brothers... Were kind of getting at him and said, "Hey, why don't you go up to the feast? If you're this, if you're who you say you are, why don't you just show the world?" Jesus said, "Well, it's not my time." And so, after they left and they went up, he went up privately. But James believed after the resurrection. How many of you know when resurrection happens? People believe, especially when you experience resurrection. There's some of you here. You're saved, but you need a resurrection. I wasn't looking at you. (laughs) I don't need. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Some people that are saved need a resurrection, they need a little bit of life, they need a little bit of step, they need a little bit of joy, they need a little bit of power. Where it says to come alive in the name of Jesus, I believe that's a true statement. He wants us to come alive. You know, uh, it's funny... You go some places and people are uh, laughing, they're talking, they're having a good time, they might even be dancing. That that used to be a dance, by the way. (laughs) Used to call it the twist. Anyway, I won't sing that song, but anyway. But you know, those same people, when you go to church, they all of a sudden get this sober look on their face. They begin to shut down. They begin to go within themselves. It's because I believe we have a wrong mental attitude about God and a wrong mental attitude about the people of God. You know, Jesus said to pray your kingdom. We're not even in James yet. <laughs> Jesus said to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Could you imagine going in to a room by yourself, it's filled with people, and everybody looks at you and just begins to smile. Everybody, you can just feel the love radiating from them towards you, and you seem to be welcome there. You don't know, you you feel like, well, man, I can just take off, I can just put down these guards, I can just put down what I. What I think about, but, but you know, that's heaven. When you step into heaven, you are going to be, uh, you're going to be loved. Everybody's going to smile at you. And the heavenly father is going to look at you with love and not consternation. He's going to look at you with love and not the, and not the stern look. Right. How many of you have ever had the stern look? <laughs> How many of you have ever had the evil... The evil eye. <laughs> How many of you have ever had the eye? Yeah. Hallelujah. How many of you received it from your parents? I have to look over here now. <laughs> try, to, try to keep it equal. But you know, I was in the Navy and if you had, uh, you, you had to keep things balanced. Because if you had all your weight on one side, you're walking like this, you know. So we just kind of balance things out. Anyway, let's get to James. So James was a a brother of Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus until the resurrection. He actually became the overseer or the head of the Jerusalem church. He was well respected by both Jews and Christians. And he was a strict Jew. Now all of this is going to fit into this. So... Don't just get lost and say, well, what's he talking about? He was a strict Jew, but he was the author of one of the most tolerant letters towards Gentile Christians. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, there was a time when the the, uh, Pharisees, the non-believing Jews and the priests, grabbed James and they took him up to the temple and they wanted him to proclaim to the crowd that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah. Well, I think he disappointed them. (laughs) Because he declared who Jesus was. He declared Jesus as being the resurrected Lord. And so they threw him down and they began to stone him to death. He was on his knees and like, and like uh, Stephen said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there was somebody, a uh, fuller, I think that's a launderer, they used to beat clothes with a club. He went up and clubbed James in the head to put him out of his misery. James was also known for having knees like camels, because he was always in prayer. So this is, uh, this is who wrote this book, the book of James. But again, it's very misunderstood. One of the reasons it's misunderstood is because James is writing, well, I see he's writing a lot about relationships. He's writing about relationships, and he's writing about walking in faith, and he's also writing about spiritual warfare, even though he doesn't use that term. How many of you know that he experienced he experienced temptation? You know, it always kind of wonders me why how Jesus could feel secure in leaving 11 guys because one guy just betrayed him, leave 11 guys to, uh, to carry on his work in his kingdom and his church. Because just before he was arrested, they were arguing over who was the greatest. (laughs) Hallelujah. They were arguing. The greatest one was there in front of them, and they didn't recognize him, and they thought they were the greatest. As a matter of fact, two of them, the one James, not the James mentioned here, but he said, uh, he got, uh, James and John got their mother. To go to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, give me whatever I ask. How would you, Have you ever gone to the Lord and said, Lord, just give me whatever I desire? Well, what do you desire? Well, that I might sit on, my, on your right hand on my brother on your left. Well, Jesus said, well, there's a little problem with that. I don't have the authority to tell you where you can sit. But anyway. James, when you read the Bible, you need to understand that you need to know who it's written to. Every book is written to particular people. The book of James is written to Jewish believers. How many of you know that there's a difference between Jewish believers and Gentile believers? I don't want to get real descriptive, but... Jewish male believers had to be circumcised. And by the way, I was born in a Jewish hospital. <laughs> in case you're wondering. But anyway. Um, so Jewish believers in Jesus believed that you had to follow the laws of Moses. When Paul preached, he didn't preach that you had to follow the laws of Moses. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved and your house. And then you have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit comes in you and the Holy Spirit directs you. And believe me, if you're walking... If you're walking by the Holy Spirit, you know, some people think the law is pretty rough. You know, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. So Jesus was actually a little stricter than even the law. But anyway, Paul would go preach. He would get he would get Gentiles saved, bring them into the kingdom. And then after he would leave, there would be these Jewish believers in Christ that would come and tell the Gentile believers, unless you get circumcised and follow the laws of Moses, you cannot be saved. You cannot be saved. Well, you know, that would kind of put a little stress on you, wouldn't it? So everywhere Paul went, he had this stress. Well, we're not going to read the whole letter, but in chapter uh, 15 of Acts, we see that there was a council. They brought they brought all the all the leaders of the church, all the all the uh, Christian Pharisees, Christian priests. You know, there was a lot of priests that got saved later. And then Paul then Paul came. So anyway, the first ones got up and they said, "Why the Jew why the Gentiles have to get circumcised and keep the law of Moses?" And then Peter stands up and says, "Well, do you remember when in Acts chapter 10, even though he didn't say Acts chapter 10, do you remember when I went to preach to the Gentiles because of this vision?" I didn't go, but God told me to go. God told me to go, and so everybody, so they they accepted that. He got Peter started preaching. He talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He didn't get to finish his sermon. The Holy Ghost fell on him. They they got saved. They got filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. And that's why they knew they were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter brings up that and then Paul gets up and he shares about what all God was doing. And then James, this guy here, gets up and he get and he says this in Acts chapter 15 verse 28. He says for it seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us. How many of you know you better check with God first. <laughs> It seems good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. What are these necessary things? That you abstain from things offered to idols. And, uh, and that you abstain from blood. That means you can't eat those rare steaks anymore, boys. <laughs> you got to grill them. I tell you what, that's a shame. But anyway, (laughs) you abstain from blood. Well, pagans would drink the blood because they thought there was eternal life in in the blood. Don't we sing a song, there's power in the blood? Power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. But we don't, well, I guess we do, communion. Anyway. So abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep these things, you do well. So that was the restrictions that James, this strict Jew, put on the Gentiles. They did not cause them... He did not say that you had to keep the laws of Moses. But believe me, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit... You will be keeping the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. The law of Jesus is to love your enemy. Love your neighbor Love your enemy, and last of all, love your wife. <laughs> doesn't Ephesians say that? Husbands, love your wives. Yeah, it never says that to the wife. It doesn't say, uh, wives, make sure you love your husbands. It just says, husbands, love your wives. Hallelujah.
1: I think I got the mic
0: today. <laughs> hallelujah. So, are we jogging or strolling or crawling through James today? Anyway, hallelujah. So, let's just get to the scripture. James chapter 1, verse 1, he says this. He says, James, a bondservant, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. A bond servant is a bond is somebody who chooses, to, in the, it's their own choice to, to serve. It's not a forced servitude. Right. As a matter of fact, a bond servant is a servant of love. They serve because they love the master. And then he goes on to say, now listen to this. He says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So he tells us who he's writing to, the 12 tribes. What tribe do you belong to? Do you belong to the Reuben tribe? The Levitical tribe? Do you belong to the Gad tribe? The Issachar tribe? What tribe do you belong to? You know, you're not. He's not writing specifically to you. that well, if he's not writing to us, and well, you left? Why are you preaching this to me? Because there are many things that we can glean, and see. That's one of the reasons that you know some, some people have looked at this and said, "This is just a bunch of laws." It is not a bunch of laws. It is how, when you when you receive Christ and you walk by faith, you will fulfill. It's a, this is about loving God and loving others and resisting the devil. Hallelujah. You know what? It's, like, it's real easy to love God. Real easy. You don't seem. You don't seem. But how many times have you gotten face-to-face with a person and just something just rose up in you? That's because you're face to face with flesh. Of course, you're living in flesh too, so. God says, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you do see? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, he said to the 12 tribes, the 12 tribes are the Jewish tribes. Then he goes on in verse 2, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because Pastor Joel has already adequately taken care of this. But I'll mention it. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy, my brethren. That means sisters too. <laughs> brethren and cisterns. This applies to all of us. Count it all joy when you fall. Notice this word fall. How many of you know that God's not leading you into trouble? God's not leading you into trouble. It's a lot of times that, you know, I've had so many people, can I do this and still be saved? Can I do this and still be a Christian? Well, why do you want to walk so close to hell that you might fall in? It's my thought. Just a thought. Why do you, how how come you want to see how far away you can get instead of seeing how close you can get? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So, this is where the believer is tested by faith. You know what? Everybody gets tested. Everybody. Don't ever think that you're singled out. You know, because when we go through tests, we go through trials, and we go through troubles, we start singing this song Nobody knows the troubles I see. Nobody knows my sorrows. But the reality is, everybody has their test. Not everybody's showing that they have a test. Not everybody's showing their pain. Not everybody's showing what they're going through, but everybody goes through it. Yeah. But how many of you know it says it is the testing of your faith? How many of you know, well, when I was a kid and you failed the test at school, you had to re-study and retake the test? You had to restudy. Do you know that when you fail tests, you have to take them over again? You say, well, you know, it's not that, it's not that way now. They just push you through. Well, we're not in the push-you-through system. We're in the growing system. We are in the learning system. We are, we are in the system to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So we're not being pushed through. The Bible says the judge shall live by faith. Faith isn't a one-time confession to God. It is a daily lifestyle. And your faith is being tested. One of the biggest tests that you go through is love. You go through the test of love. How many ever remember being tested by your spouse? My wife, bless her heart, she used to tell people our first year of marriage was hell. It was. Bless her heart. What was the testing of her faith? (laughs) Working patience. So everybody goes through tests and trials. You know, you might see people that are together and they just look like this all smiles, all lovey-dovey. I've seen people that they just seemed all lovey-dovey and then all of a sudden I hear that they're going through a divorce. Come on! It's funny, I always, you know, I, sometimes the preacher's the last one that, gets, that hears anything. You're the last one to hear it. How's it going, brother? Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Why don't we just be honest every now and then? Yeah, there you go. Of course, if you're coming in here, you know, just every Sunday and dragging, dragging me down before I get to preach, uh, <laughs> I have to get somebody for you to talk to. But every once in a while, we need to be honest. You know, the Bible says liars are not going to heaven. (laughs) Doesn't it say that in Revelation? Oh, we're not, we're slithering through James. He says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, verse 3, that the testing of our faith produces patience. You know the when the father tests us, all we have to do is repent and we pass the test. There you go. You don't have to. You don't have to struggle through. You don't have to struggle with this and make it an eternal thing. Just humble yourself and repent. Hallelujah. Verse four, he says, "But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect." and complete, lacking nothing. Do you know that the testing is for your benefit? Woo! The testing is for your benefit. What are the benefits? You become mature. When do I become mature in testing? When I stop complaining about it and blaming everybody else. Ooh, did I say that? I'm just talking about myself. You know, it's always this person's fault. Oh, if this person would just do this, that. No, you don't have control. You cannot control my life. Why? Because my faith is in God and not in you. Now, I have faith that you'll grow. I and. This is a general statement. General. This is outside the four walls of the church. So don't get, oh man, he's mad at me. I'm not mad at you. Hallelujah. This is good. This is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. Hallelujah. What else do you benefit from? You become complete. You ever feel like there's something missing? God says that when if you, if you walk by faith in your tests and trials, you become complete. You become strengthened, basically. And here's another benefit. You lack nothing. How would you like to come to a place where you are lacking nothing? Some people say, well, why don't I have anything? We got we to pass the tests so that we come to the place where we... To where we are lacking nothing. The first thing, first place, I need to lack nothing is in my heart. Then the next place is in my soul. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall. No, no, not that one. Uh, Third John, uh, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You want to prosper, then you need to prosper in your soul. You need to prosper in your soul. How do I prosper in my soul? By the Word. He talks about He talks about it in uh, later on in uh, John, uh, third John. But it's not just the Word; it's the relationship. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word God, was God. And then in, in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. So I'm, as I'm into the Word, the Word is leading me to the flesh and blood, Word, Jesus Christ. This isn't just to fill us with knowledge, because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Yeah. I want you to be built up. I want you know, it was just a blessing to me. Katie was talking about the miracles this morning and it just amazed me as I looked at those that were up here, I remember them as babies. And they're just as they're they are able to preach the word. They are able to share the Word with with power. Hallelujah. To me, I'm not going to say that's a miracle, but it just goes to show that when you feed people the Word, they grow. And how many of you know that these people that know the Word, they've had their troubles, but you overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of your testimony, you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They know the word. They are able to resist the devil and he will flee from them. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, the scripture says in verse five, "Oh Lord. He says, if any of you lacks, this is going to be a year long seminar. If any of you lack wisdom, anybody here need a little more? Need a little more wisdom? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given him. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 that God gives wisdom and out of his mouth comes knowledge. How do I get it? I ask him for it. I spend time with him and he liberally gives it. Amen. If you are comparing God to some stingy, some, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, st- what's uh, sten- not just stingy, but uh, reluctant mm. a reluctant giver, a reluctant giver. Have you ever been in an offering? uh, Have you ever been in a service where they're taking the offering and you just feel uncomfortable? You just don't want to give. If you want to keep your dollar, well, you can't get a a hamburger for a dollar anymore, can you? (laughs) You know, I remember when you could get a hamburger for fifteen cents at Smacks. My dad went to Smacks and he got he got ordered a hamburger and it was his. He says, "Where's the beef?" That was long before Wendy's came along. But for 15 cents, you could get a hamburger. It wasn't much on it, but bread and lettuce, mustard and ketchup, and something that looked like, if you look down on it, just don't look at the side. But that's how we treat God. We think He's just some stingy giver. He doesn't want to get... No, He wants to pour it out. Pour it out. He wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give. Yes. He doesn't want to hold back on you. We've got to get that mentality in our minds so that we, so that our soul will prosper, so that it gets beyond our soul. It gets into our body. It gets into our relationships. It gets into our lives. God is not reluctant. Well, what is the kind of wisdom? It's sound judgment to make practical to make practical decisions in daily life. How many of you know that some people need some sound judgment? Yeah. Do you know that some people should never have credit cards? I ain't looking at nobody. You know that some people shouldn't see no evil here. So some people should never have credit cards. Why? Because they don't have the wisdom to know how to use them. There was a guy by the name of Larry Burkett and he would help people get out of debt. The first thing he would do is says, "Give me your credit cards." Gave the credit cards, he'd cut them up and then throw them on a cookie sheet, throw them in the oven at 450. That's the first step. Practical wisdom. I had to learn some practical wisdom when my wife asked me if I loved her. I learned not to say I love you by faith. <laughs> you know, it took me a while to grow. I wasn't perfect or complete, and I lacked a lot. But the Bible says we become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hallelujah. So how do we get this wisdom? Fellowship and connection with the Father is necessary. It is our lack of connection that brings us into temptation and draws us away from that fellowship with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is God's desire to pour out His blessing upon you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall Men give unto your bosom. Why? Because you've given, and God says, I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to cause you to walk in favor. God puts his favor upon you, and blessings start flowing your way. Malachi, the latter part of verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10, he says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. That doesn't sound like a reluctant God to me. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't believe in that tithe and stuff. Don't believe in it. I'll just take your blessing. (laughs) uh, There was a time we couldn't afford children. (laughs) anybody let me ask you a question is there anybody that can ever afford them you know just just a thought how many of you got through hallelujah well good measure pressed down shaken together running over God opens up the windows of heaven pours out a blessing man where did it come from I don't know how did we make it this month I don't know How are we going to make it next month? I don't know. But you'll be here. Glory to God. Why? Because He is a good God and He pours it out upon you. Oh, I I just got to go this far. I probably should quit here because you're happy now. (laughs) But He says something here. When you ask wisdom, He says, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the, driven and tossed by the wind. Like again, I tell you, I was in the Navy and I've actually had to put one foot on the wall as I'm walking down the hallway. Because the ship, the ship is going this way and man, you get tired of getting beat on this side and then beat on that side and then beat on this side. So you put one foot up against the wall. But that ship is b- rocking and rolling back and forth. But you know what? I got to where I knew how to handle it. Mm. I got to tell you the story. Uh, Melanie and I went on a cruise together. And she wanted to go whale watching. No, no, oh, Lord, that's a lot. I'll never have to do that again. <laughs> So anyway, we got on this boat, and you know, we had jackets on. I think I might have had shorts, but they take us 20 miles off the coast. It's freezing out there. And so I told her, I said, if you see a whale, it's just going to look like a piece of rubber that comes up above the waves. You don't see the whole whale. Sometimes they might spout some. But anyway, there was people in front of me. I couldn't see the whale. And so I got up on, on one chair and had my foot on the rail. And I'm, you know that boat's just rocking back and forth? And she's just trying to survive. And she looks like, get out from there! <laughs> well, I didn't lose it. I had it, you know. Still had my sea legs. You know what? Sometimes you need to get in the Word and get in fellowship with God. Start asking in faith. What is asking in faith? It's believing that what He says He's going to do, He's going to do, and you live like it. Living by faith is not just something mental. I agree with God. So what? The devils believe and tremble. That's later on in the book, by the way. So let him ask with faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, driven by the wind. Asking in faith is having a full assurance that God will answer, "But we've got to live like it is already done. How many of you believe Jesus is coming back? Are you living like he's coming back? Yeah, that's what I, I remember. When I was in a church service one time. I hadn't gotten married yet. I hadn't even had my first marriage yet. I've only had one, by the way. <laughs> so, anyway, we're in this church service. God says, I believe Jesus could come back this year. Well, hey, that's okay. I'm getting married in a couple of weeks, you know? Okay? I believe Jesus could come back this month. Whoa. I believe Jesus could come back this week. Whoa. I'm like 22 years old, you know. I believe Jesus could come back today. Whoa. Are you really that happy for Jesus to come back? (laughs) Are you really that happy? Are you living like Jesus is coming back? Just a thought. You know, I had a guy, this is kind of crude, but um, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> I was just a young, I, was just, I wasn't even a preacher. I hadn't gone to Bible school. I was just uh, working for the Lord. Teen Challenge Coffee House and there was this argument over whether there was a pre-rapture, post-rapture, what, what, all these rapture theories, and uh, once saved, always saved, and all that stuff. And uh, this one guy who was—I think it was a simile God preacher. He was a young guy too. We were all young back then. <laughs> And the guy said, when Jesus comes back, if you're in, a, if you're in, be, in bed with somebody, he's not going to say, pull your pants up, boy, it's time to go. <laughs> Did I say that? Well, that's the kind of upbringing I had. But you know what? It was real plain to me. I didn't need a Greek lexicon to figure it out. I didn't need a Bible dictionary. Uh, whoa! How do am I really looking forward to Jesus to come back? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. But yes, those who have this hope in them purify themselves, even as He is pure. By the way, that's uh, 1 John, chapter three. The Bible. If you want to understand the Bible, you have to interpret the Bible. With the Bible. Because if you're taking p- particular verses out of context and just building your doctrine off that, you will get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. So true. That's why we have cults today. Of course, I've been called that, but I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> Bless the Lord. But God says, let them ask in faith. Let them ask in faith. Let them out. How am I living? How am I living? Am I living like I really believe he's coming back? Do I really believe it? Well, I say I believe it, and that's why, you know, we don't talk about it much these days, but there is something called the fear of the Lord. The fear, oh, that just means reverence. Man, it means more than reverence. If you're not walking with the Lord, if, you're, if you say you're saved and you're living like hell, you are not walking in the fear of the Lord. Why am I talking like this? Does somebody need it? Does somebody need to make that step and say, Lord, I haven't been really believing that you're coming back. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just uh, come before you and we ask you, Lord God, to, to turn the lamp of your word upon our hearts. We ask that you inspect us. We ask that you see, turn on the light and see if there's anything in us, Lord God, that is keeping us from fellowship with you that's keeping us living on the edge, the wrong edge. Father God, I thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. I don't want anybody, I want every eye closed. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I might, I, I'm, living, I'm living like Jesus might not come back because I think I have time. If you want to repent of that, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All right. Well, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive I see the hand. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want everybody to pray this with me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I, confess my sin and I confess my sin of, of, say, of believing you're coming, you're, coming. But not living like you're coming, but not living like you're coming. I thank you, Lord, that as I confess my sin, I thank you, Lord, that as I confess my sin, you forgive me, you forgive me. And, you me and you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And right now, In the name of Jesus, Jesus. I break agreement agreement with this unbelief unbelief. in Jesus' name. name. And I receive receive the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit. to live a holy life, to live a life of joy, joy. To 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 live a life of power, and to live a life of expectation. That God is going to fulfill everything that He promised in Jesus' name, Amen. Somebody say Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Glory, to Glory to God! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Can I do
1: something? Yes. Um, do you have a? My... There's one. Testing. Okay. Uh, I need a strong man. Who's a strong man? Okay. Dan, come on up. Strong man. What about me? Oh. <laughs> well, babe. <laughs> Actually, I just saw this little vision and it just flashed. Okay. And he's a strong guy. He can handle, you know, weight. He can handle caring. Can I have your purse? Aaron? Is it a heavy purse? Oh, good. Okay. 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 I want you to, one finger. You really are strong. Okay. All right. Now hold it up like this. Like hold it up like there. Okay. Now just keep it there. All right. He has the ability to lift that. And it's like I just saw that so many of us are carrying weights that God did not ordain us to carry because it seems like we're able to do it, right? And you know, we really feel secure in our ability to handle these things ourselves. And you know, we look at it and say, it's not that big of a deal. Everybody's got a purse, right? Every Aaron carries that around with her all the time. This strong guy, he can handle it, right? What? What? Pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. You know, and, and we look at that and say, look at this strong guy. Look at the ability that he has to handle those things. And because he's doing that by the strength of his own arm, then we figure if I can handle that, I can handle something else. Do we have another heavy purse here? (laughs) Okay. Oh, we'll be gracious. He can hold it in the other hand. There you go. All right. So he has the ability to do this and I think we go through life so many times trying to do and carry what we were not ordained to do and carry. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So if I believe, if I believe I can handle these things by my own strength, it doesn't take long for me to feel like something is wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good enough. You can't let him fail. Oh, you can't let him fail. So this is what happens when we start leaning on the Lord, right? Aha! Right. Uh-huh. come on. Tim, yeah, come on, help out. <laughs> Father, son, we could get the Holy Spirit. Okay, there we go. Does that help? Does that take a lot of pressure off? Yeah, it does. I mean, these are just little purses. What's the big deal? Yeah. I mean, they're even designer. That's a coach. Ah, uh, that's a Michael Kors. Hey, I mean, these are nice purses, I'm telling you. They're valuable, right? Like so, Father, right now, <laughs> that's right, we'll give him grace. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can give that to Aaron. You can give it. Oh, you can. You can take. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, even as, as Pastor just led us in that prayer, Lord, you're taking off the weights of the things that we have been holding because we believed a lie that says, I can do this in my own strength. But Lord, I just thank you and praise you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And no matter what we believed and no matter how we lived and no matter how we faced things, even in the past, today is a new day. So I declare and I decree right now that the revelation of the Spirit of God is rising inside of us, that we would recognize that we haven't been ordained to walk this walk by the strength of our own arm, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I bless each one right now, and I thank you that they are not alone. And just like Raymond came up and Tim came up to support, Lord, you have given us a body. You've given us a family to support, but we recognize all that takes place because of who you are and who you are in the midst of us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And I'll let you, or just the healing team can come up at this time. Retta.